Remember when Y2K was the focus of so many Americans? That idea that computer programming would fail us because of the way platforms were coded? The fear back then was that systems would crash because technology may have been structured in a way that when reading the zeros, it would assume it was 1900 at the turn of the calendar, not the year 2000. Turned out that was all much ado about nothing. Well, in stark contrast, remember when people were so excited about the start of 2020? Such an iconic number in the beginning of the second decade of the 21st century. Momentum was on our side here in America, and then, well, you know, we all know. Turns out 2020 was much ado about everything. Politics, social justice, and a pandemic. COSIDA embraces the fact that 2020 was a year of strife on so many levels. Further, our association recognizes that we are all working to communicate as best we can through all of these conflicting emotions and conversations that, at times, simply don't align. Leading through the strife is the basis of our conversation today. I'm thrilled to welcome to our exploration two amazing leaders in college athletics, two people with two totally different life experiences who join us from a Division II and a Division I institution, each separated by 2,934 miles. Kim Pate is the Vice President for Athletics at Lenore Ryan in Hickory, North Carolina. Hired in 2016, Kim leads an NCAA Division II department that excels in classrooms and on the courts and fields. In fact, during the 2019-20 academic year, LR had seven COSIDA Academic All-Americans, and every athletic team finished with a GPA above a 3.0. She understands the rigors and hopes of the student-athlete, having coached college softball earlier in her career. Kim has a keen eye for fundraising, external relations, and communications, given her journey from Brevard College to Illinois Springfield to Lenore Rhine. And speaking of Y2K, Earl Edwards began serving as the Director of Athletics at UC San Diego in March of 2000. As Earl was coming in, the school was finishing a transition from Division III to Division II. Under his direction, the Tritons moved to Division I while continuing to garner academic and athletic accolades. His perspective on society and societal influences had been shaped through his time as an undergrad at East Stroudsburg from 1968 through 72 to his time in Michigan. And now, what is the start of his third decade at UC San Diego? Now, as host of this podcast series, my modus operandi has always been not to ask our guests the same question. There is one exception, and I will make that exception right now. I'd like to know from each of you, how do you define the word leadership? Kim? Leadership for me is really about social influence, just you know, being able to influence others in pursuit of a common goal and how you bring about others best. And, and um, certainly um, I'm excited about our conversation today and I'll let, I'll let Earl kind of build on that. One of the things I've always thought about when we talk about leadership it's a word that's used often, and I don't think people really spend the time to look into what it really means and the things you need to do as a leader. So I'm just going to throw a couple things out there. One is that you have to be an, an a enabler, a person that can get people together to, to talk about whatever 
topics you want to address and enabling them to do so. You have to be a person that uh, empowers individuals that works for you. Uh, it's important that you empower those in individuals so, so that they feel uh, valued. It's also important that you, as a leader, you have the ability to kind of go through the pros and cons and make those tough decisions. I like to say anybody can be a leader if all you're going to do is say yes. And I think Kim would agree with that. I could put my six-year-old daughter behind a desk and you can call her a leader if she's just going to say yes. So one of the things I think that's a big challenge as a leader, there's a number of times that you may have to say no and you'll say no with some good rationale and people need to you know, buy into that looking at the role that you play as a leader. So those are some of the things I think about when you talk about leadership. Kim, I'd like to set a baseline, a bit of a baseline as we start to open up the conversation about communication and leadership through this period of strife. With all of the challenges that you've had to navigate over the past year, COVID, social justice, a polarizing election, a triple pandemic, I believe you called it, how do you focus on anything else? Staff development, strategic planning, all of those things that a leader has to think about. Yeah, thanks, Trip. Great question. I honestly, I feel like, I mean, it's for the sake of the sanity of myself and others that, you know, that we're able to focus on something other than just all the strife, all, you know, all the sort of challenges that we're having to navigate, because we can get stuck in that. Like we are traditionally, I think, in our role as problem solvers. And let me tell you, I often felt like I could spend 100 hours a week just on COVID or, or these other um, challenges you mentioned. But um, it really is, I think, important for us, you know, to create, um, you know, just a growth mindset and continuing to focus on how you get better and advance, um, you know, because people need vision and they need hope to prosper. Like, I, I feel like that's part of that leadership piece. If we're, um, if we're going to help our folks through here, through all the challenges and help lead through this, then we've got to create a vision for how we're going to move forward. And, and so I made it a point from the very beginning to, uh, to focus on the growth piece of it, the growth mindset, um, and, and just, you know, make sure that we're not only dealing with the, the crisis mode and that we're in a strategic mode. And, and I think that's been helpful for us. Earl, this is the first year UC San Diego is a member of NCAA Division I. How have you integrated the tasks of moving the department into this new classification with juggling all of the national elements of virus, politics, social justice? What new strategies in your communications, in your messaging have you been able to use? And how have you involved that athletic communication staff through all of this? It's a great question. And I think one thing we could say right off the bat, as athletic directors, we clearly are multitaskers. I mean, that's, that's what we do. We're used to juggling a lot of different things. And for us, with the move to Division One, that has to be a priority for us. And when I say the move, we're actually a Division One program as we speak, but we still have to be uh, strongly engaged with the strategic plan that we put together. We have a five-year strategic plan that's in place. I'm also pleased to say we've been working with the 
not just my communications folks, but the university when it comes to marketing our program moving to Division One. So we have a outside group that's working with us, marketing the move. Um, unfortunately, because of the uh, COVID environment, that marketing campaign is somewhat on hold because we don't have the students and others on campus. So those are things that we're still focusing on. It's exciting to us. In fact, right before this call, I was on a call with my ticket staff to talk about ticket sales for next year. So there's a lot of different things that we still are focusing on that's outside of the pandemic. And quite frankly, it's actually a refresher when we can have a conversation about somewhat the normal stuff that we do moving forward. Kim Earl brings up a good point about driving forward. And I remember you had shared with me the adopted notion that LR took on driving rather than surviving. And Kim, those are four really big yeah. words. I mean, yeah. strung together, they speak volumes. Kim is a leader, given that LR Athletics has not been able to gather in person as a staff, how do you reinforce the messaging and ensure that the unit is moving in the right direction? Honestly, I think this is where leadership matters, right? It's, it's not just about communicating. It's not about, um, you know, just putting stuff out there, information, and you know, that's important, but it's what you say, right? It's about the attitude um, and the message that you're bringing to your team. And so early on, I, you know, I think we're all wrestling with, um, you know, the strife and the struggles that we've had to navigate, but, you know, I'm working it out in my own mind. And um, I kept hearing athletic administrators and, you know, folks, you know, across the athletic collegiate athletic landscape say, we just need to survive and get through this year. And I don't want to downplay that because it has been challenging, you know, furloughs and you name it that people have had to deal with. Um, but I just could not um, just uh, like accept that, you know, that was what we were going to do that honestly for my student athletes sake and our coaches, I, you know, I was not going to ask them to sign up for just surviving. Like, it, I just think from a leadership standpoint, it's hard to get people excited about we're just going to survive, right? And so, um, you know, I, I, for me at that point, I felt like it was important to send the message that, yes, we're going to get through this and there'll be moments we survive and we're going to feel like we're surviving. Um, but let's focus on getting better. Let's really focus on driving and continuing to find ways to improve both individually as well as as a department. And so I wanted that to transcend from my leadership team down to our coaches to our student athletes. And so that really has been our focus this year from a message standpoint. Um, and, and, you know, we've also been able to continue to point to the success and the things that we have been able to accomplish. And, you know, we did our normal orientation at the start of the fall where we bring everybody together this year it was Zoom, but we had strategic goals and initiatives where we said, we're going to, you know, address these areas and we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna address this facility and we're gonna advance this initiative. And we've, you know, continued to work towards those goals and we've continued to message how we are advancing and making progress. And so um, that's kind of how I've approached it. And um, I always, point out something every week we do and I do an, a communication email where I just send out a quick hit email and I always have um, under the theme driving um, you know not just surviving an example of what maybe an, a coach has done or an athlete or 
someone on our team has done recently to be able to continue to model that. I want to follow up on that, Kim. You talk about leadership, and we've got a lot of people who are listening today that range not only in experience level, but also in age. And I'm going to hearken and, and laugh about Earl's comment of his six-year-old daughter not being able <laughs> to be really a leader. Does it take age, Kim, in order to be a leader? Can you be a leader at 22? Certainly, you can be a leader at 65 or 70, but is there an age parameter? Is there an experience parameter when it comes to leadership, Kim? No way. Absolutely not. Um, I, I really think Earl hit a lot of, you know, um, the important pieces of what goes into leadership, what it looks like. It's, it's um, recognizing um, the importance of relationship building and, and um, you know, and a mindset of service of wanting to help others achieve and, and you know, some humility and, um, and empowering and just I think it's just really more about understanding when yourself that self-awareness um, as well as being able to um, you know foster those relationships to be able to uh, you know inspire um, excellence from those around you and so I was only 32 when I became an athletic director um, that's seems young you know that was 14 years ago um, and so I was young for an AD, and it certainly wasn't um, a matter of age. I will say I've learned and grown a lot over the last 14 years, but um, it's absolutely not about age or experience. It, it's about understanding what it takes to inspire and influence those around you in a positive way. Earl, before the pandemic, in reflection, you know, the condition of many athletic administrators may have been described as guarded, not sharing not being open to offering information for a number of reasons. But today, after a year of so much strife, I find that more people are more willing to be forthcoming, truthful, ready to discuss their feelings and emotions. I would agree with the, the latter part of that statement in terms of uh, being more transparent and communicating. In fact, I would say one of the benefits from the pandemic being in this Zoom environment, I've communicated and, and connected more with my coaches and staff on a weekly basis than I ever have, because quite frankly, my job prior to this involved a lot of things that were off campus, a lot of things in the community. Uh, so the idea now that there's more open communication, transparency is, has been a clear plus not only has it been a clear plus, it's allowed us to reevaluate how we've operated in the past. Because there's clearly some takeaways from the Zooms that we're going to continue, i.e. a simple, simple thing will be uh, the impact it'll have on recruiting, where we've always looked at you have to go visit the individual, go into their homes. We could do those things now by Zoom. So it's it's created a much uh, more creative uh, environment and a, a, a much better way to connect with individuals. Another example would be I have a meeting today with some major uh, donors, and in the past it would take quite some time to figure out that schedule where we can get everybody together. Now you just say, hey, I'm, I want to do a Zoom at one and suddenly everybody's there and life is life is good so 
while it was a burden initially, it's I think there's a lot of positive things that's come out of it. And I also, getting back to your focus on leadership, I really believe as a leader, you need to have that positive attitude with everything that you do. How can we learn from this? How can we get better? The glass is always half full. It's never half empty. And if you, if you leave with that uh, mantra, if you will, then you'll have a much better program. Earl, I wonder as a follow-up, and I hadn't thought about it until you just mentioned it, you talked about the positivity that you're seeing in a lot of people. But I would imagine that there are some administrators that still have a negative slant. As a coach yourself, because you are a head of a department, mm -hmm. how do you mentor and guide these naysayers, these people with a sourpuss attitude? Well, I'm only laughing because uh, when we talked about leadership earlier, and I'll keep going back to that because I think that's the crux of what we're talking about. I like to think that we or I, I'll say we, we do a good job during the interview process of trying to, one, sort out who has strong interpersonal skills, because everything that we do, the bottom line, it comes down to relationships, whether it's with your staff, the students, vendors, alumni, parents. So we look for strong interpersonal skills. And I also emphasize that uh, I like to work with a positive attitude. I don't believe in negativity. I see negativity as a cancer. Uh, so if you're one of those individuals, you need to check that at the door or, or we're not going to have a good, <laughs> we're not going to have a good experience. So, uh, and, and it's not to say that we don't have naysayers because uh, I'm going to guess we do like everyone, but they certainly don't bring that attitude to the table in our department because that's the way we like to roll. So. Yeah, check, check it at the door or don't even bring it through the door, right? <laughs> yeah. Kim, the election year generated a slew of misinformation, and it all came via social media. I mean, there was so much clutter. And if you compound that chatter with the divided opinions about COVID and the effects of social atrocities, I mean, there was just a ton of content in circulation. As an established private D2 athletic department in a very crowded sports market that is North Carolina, how did you and your staff approach communications? Any special strategies, any content wins that you might mention as a best practice? The social media piece has been a challenge. I mean, people I think have just in many ways checked out. You know, they've stopped looking at their Twitter feed because it, it wasn't necessarily positive or, you know, just, um, as you said, very polarizing and divided. Um, I think what we've done in the last year is we've taken a more collaborative approach. Yeah, we're small, we're a small team, but you know, everybody kind of understood their roles pre-COVID and they were in a groove. But when COVID hit, I think it forced us to work a lot more collabor collaboratively together where our marketing um, director is working with our sports information director and then we throw our uh, a digital media person and even our um, associate, senior associate AD for, for you know, external fundraising. Um, and, you know, that team has done an un unbelievable job for us where they have just really challenged each other on the creative side. And it's just, you know, synergy comes out of that from, a um, you know, just the idea sharing. And um, I think that's 
probably been um, the piece that has, you know, helped us to be able to navigate the crowded communications um, in, in a very polarizing, divided sort of environment. What, one of the things that we did, and we've done a lot of cool things, but one that I'm super proud of is um, we have we have a um, a day we call 828 Day. It's uh, it's our area code 828 North Carolina, and so on August 28th, um, this is only our second year even celebrating it. It's meant to be a community engagement day. You know, all our athletes are out on our turf football field. We have um, bounce houses and different activities for kids to come in the community and you know, food trucks and all that. Well, we couldn't do that this year because of COVID. So um, my marketing director, assistant AD for marketing, Leah, um, you know, working with our team came up with a great idea. Let's do a virtual 828 day. And so we partnered with the city of Hickory, local businesses, a lot of our small business owners who were struggling a little bit. And we, you know, we we promoted the city of Hickory. We did videos. You know, our our head football coach owns a boat. He's out on the lake talking about how beautiful Hickory is and how he and his family love it. While the city of Hickory is talking about what a gem and resource that Lenore Ryan is. Um, we finished it off downtown. You know, with um, you know, you know, with a kind of fun afternoon. You know, with our cheerleaders and mascot and and so that was a really cool thing. I think we got a lot of positive. Um, exposure out of that and built some that town gown relationship where you know we're really fostering strengthening our our community relationship and tie so that's just one example of, of how we use collaboration to, and getting outside the box with with the limits of COVID. Earl purposefully I'm going to shift the emotion of Kim's response back towards uh, part of my question to her is being the social atrocities of 2020 George Floyd's death was an atrocity unlike any other, just absolutely heartbreaking. And I wonder, Earl, what effect did it have on you? How, as a leader, did you integrate your personal feelings as a black individual with your role as a black man leading a Division One athletic department? Yeah, to, Tripp, as you stated, the George Floyd murder was a, the fact that it was captured on camera and the world got to see it was a transformational moment in that it really brought to the forefront how severe the issue of racism and social injustice is within our country. And for me as a black man, as I watched that, George being murdered, policeman's knee on his neck, hands in his pocket, George crying out for his mother, saying he can't breathe. It, it was like someone punched me in the face and that it was clear that I can no longer stand by as a black man and not say anything when it comes to social injustice. And to be honest, I don't think people think about this, but as a black individual, in America, there's many times where you don't say things when you would like to say things because of the concern of retribution or not being uh, considered a part of the community or to be considered as the uh, angry black man. But I decided that there's a way to address racism and social injustice that doesn't have to be uh, confrontational. 
that can be uh, educational. And I've made a commitment to speak to a number of different groups, including my scholar athletes and outside uh, organizations about racism and trying to get people to a place where we can have conversation versus confrontation. And that's that's the real challenge. It's also one of the challenges as to why we haven't progressed when it comes to uh, racism is the fear of people uh, not wanting to talk about it. And I'm just going to throw out three little quick tidbits that I've been sharing with others to, to help with that conversation, particularly when it's black talking to white or or mixed uh, conversations. And that is a, a ground rules that I call the POW rules. I'll do it really quick. The POW rules is and an acronym, the P stands for no personal attacks during the conversation. The A stands for assume good intention, because if you assume good intention, your reaction's gonna be a lot different when you're having a conversation. And then the last piece is to really listen to whatever either party is saying and to allow them to uh, uh, complete their thoughts so you can respond accordingly. So it's been a big mission of mine. I, I, I personally feel a lot better. I'd have to say this has actually helped me during this pandemic because it's another focus outside of the pandemic. And utilizing my platform as an athletic director has been a great, great way to have a sphere of influence that's quite large. Getting back to what Kim said earlier, as leaders, we we are individuals that have influence, and as athletic directors, between our staff and our scholar athletes and the community and other organizations, we have a large platform. So that's a long answer, but uh, <laughs> it's one that was uh, dear to my heart, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, I appreciate that, too. And if you could walk us down that path a little bit further, you refer to working with, as an example, your scholar athletes in putting their best voice forward. How do you know? How do you check in? How do you see whether or not your student athletes are putting their best voices forward? Well, I think the one thing for sure, and we started doing this a lot more uh, in the last year or so, and that is to create a safe environment. Uh, and when I say a safe environment, to reinforce that one of our core values, which is inclusion, is something that we really value. So between setting up uh, different affinity groups within the athletic department, whether it's black scholar athletes, LGBTQ, uh, Asian uh, Pacific, setting up those groups so that we can have conversations and they can share their thoughts. Uh, we actually have a department committee uh, called Tritons Rise Up. The committee is basically focusing on EDI issues for the department as a whole. It consists of staff members and uh, coaches, and we also have students that are a member of the, that group, so they bring things to our attention. And obviously, with, I'm sure with Kim as well as myself, one of the greatest places for a voice, uh, for us we call it TAC, Triton Athletes Council, it's SAC with everybody else, but we have to be different, you know. Uh, <laughs> But that, you know, we have two representatives from our 23 sports, so that's 46 athletes from representing all speed sports that we meet with 
uh, every other week. So there's different channels where we can hear their voice and uh, be a little more engaged and connected. Thank you for that, Kim. Obviously, the model of higher education is to prep students for the next chapter in their lives, you know, to equip them with the information and knowledge to be successful moving forward. This too applies to staff. As a leader, what has been your approach in finding and conveying and encouraging a shared conversation through this stretch of such volatility? Yeah, Trip, I, I do feel like, um, you know, focusing on the staff and our coaches has been so important this past year to support them. Um, obviously that didn't start this year, but, but um, you mentioned like being the coach of the coaches that like, that is to me the greatest honor, you know, as an AD to feel like you can, um, you know, have a part in their success and in their journey. And um, I think it starts with trust and building and sort of building on the trust, uh, being authentic and honest and transparent in the midst of, you know, a lot of challenges. And so for me, that's where I really focused on, shooting straight with our coaches. You know, we had a number of Zoom head coach meetings. Um, sometimes they were weekly, sometimes they were every other week, just depending on the ebb and flow of what was going on and just bringing them information and updates so they knew what was going on. Um, being honest about our, our, you know, what we think will be the impact budgetarily in this COVID year and furloughs and all those things and just having a lot of honest discussion and then allowing them the platform and the opportunity to bring forward and speak honestly about their concerns and, um, you know, and all that in a forum. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's been a big part of what we've done. Some of it is just one-on-one. -on -one. I've done a lot of checking on coaches. I don't know if you've, Earl, if you've had any coaches in quarantine, but, um, yeah, you know, just I the, have. just the psychological mental sort of angst that they go through not being able to be with their teams, um, especially if their teams are still competing. So just, you know, checking on our coaches, listening to them, asking them how they're doing and things like that. Very simple things, but but so important. Um, you know, we did something early, I'm, I think that was really good, kind of ties back into that growth mindset and focusing on advancing and getting better. But it was really um, inspired by a coach. Uh, back in when we all shut down, we all went home, we started a coach's corner and it was led by coaches. I just, you know, I organized it, we set up Zooms, um, but you know, my football coach you know, presented, my men's basketball coach, my women's soccer, and it was on different topics. It was on something that they felt like would benefit you know, our entire coaching staff and, and administrative team. And so for six or seven weeks, we had coaches presenting during that time when everybody's kind of locked down at home, we couldn't recruit. And so once a week, we felt like we were getting better. you know. And so I think that allowed for just a sense of camaraderie, collaboration, where maybe my baseball coach and my football coach didn't share ideas a whole lot. Well, now they were they were following up with each other and saying, hey, I really liked your perspective. Let's talk more about it. So that's how we kind of started it. I wish we'd continued it. We have kind of um, gotten into that groove in the semester, but um, that's just a little bit about how I've handled it. I'm gonna go back on my word. I said I wasn't gonna ask you the same question, but. I feel like that one topic that we haven't really covered is voter turnout in 2020. There was uh, a solidarity of sorts with athletic directors and head coaches in the late spring, early summer of 2020 that we're going to use November 3rd as a day off. We're going to make it a priority. 
What was it, Earl, we'll start with you. What was it about the initiative with athletic directors, with student athletes, with coaches in making November 3rd a priority? Why, why was it such a big deal? Why did it gain so much momentum? Now, a lot of that's a devil's advocate question, but I just <laughs> would like your feedback and your thoughts. Well, there's, there's so many parts. The, the first thing I'll say is that uh, it was clear looking at the country, the unrest, uh, the lack of uh, truth, facts, a lot of things occurring uh, this year and, and earlier that we needed to do something in terms of when you talk about leadership, which has somewhat been the crux of our conversation, that our athletes, athletic directors, we all recognize we need to do something in terms of changing leadership in our country. I was extremely pleased while I was prepared to talk to my uh, TAC group about that as an initiative, before I could do that, they actually came to us and said, hey, we would like to initiate an uh, initiative where we get all of our teams and athletes uh, to vote. And I'm really pleased with the turnout. And I also think as a athletic department, from a national perspective, we should take a lot of credit in terms of the role that we played when it comes to voter turnout. On the college level, obviously professional sports, so it was huge. Now the other piece, I, and I have to throw this in here, the voter turnout was historic in terms of numbers. Hopefully we want to see that trend continue. And we still have a major issue in this country when it comes to voter suppression. And that is certainly something that I am going to educate my uh, staff and my uh, athletes about, recognizing I can't uh, uh, politically say what you should do about that, but I will let them know and the people that are listening to this that there is a current bill, a proposed bill out there called HR1 which basically is a bill to eliminate voter suppression. And it's named in the honor of John Lewis. So I, I hope moving forward that voter suppression becomes the next focus because the voting initiative and voting is one aspect, but we need to go beyond that. So thank you for that opportunity to, to bring that up because I wasn't uh, expecting that, but I'm really proud of our young men and women for the role that they played. And I'll wrap it up by saying that as an athletic director and a leader, one of the things that I believe we all do as ADs, and that is we serve as a laboratory of personal development with our athletes to go out to be outstanding young men and women when it comes to citizenship. Earl, you are so hard to follow. Um, I, I think, um, gosh, I, I will say for me personally, the George Floyd atrocity was a wake up call for me um, personally. And, and just to be able to look at what, what we weren't doing, we were not doing enough here. And so for us, you know, we realized that we needed to establish a diversity and inclusion committee in athletics and make that a priority. And so, um, you know, 
you know, we've made some progress. We still have a lot of work to do, but um, for us, we focused on empowering our student athletes and their voice. And, and you know, our committee is made up of student athletes and coaches, and um, and this was important to them. And so, supporting them and and really partnering with our campus on on the um, get out and vote initiatives. Um, I think also there's a component for educating not only our coaches or athletes, but our coaches on why it's important. Some coaches were emailing me saying, hey, we need to support this. Other coaches were saying to me, well, they can vote absentee, you know, why can't they go to practice on, you know, November 3rd, they can send their vote in. It was an opportunity to educate that it's not just about, you know, the process of voting, it's also about um, allowing our student athletes to be fully immersed in, in, in that, in their civic responsibility and that opportunity for that and supporting it. Um, and so for me, it was honestly an opportunity for my own growth, also to be able to um, create dialogue between athletes and coaches on how we can support the educational and the civic responsibility that student athletes should have an opportunity to participate in. So we did not have any kind of CARA that day. Um, and we, I just removed the barriers. I sent out an email to all our student athletes and said, today is a, you know, is a, um, a day where we want to encourage your participation, you know, in the election process and all facets. And, you know, there will be no practice. Certainly you can go do a workout with a strength coach if you want to, but it's not going to be required. Last question for each of you as we wrap up our time together. Uh, Earl, you mentioned a short time ago, you know, moving that needle a little bit and pressing upon the student athletes. But I wonder from your perspective as a leader, when you look at all of the constituent groups that are out there, what are the signs that you're looking for, knowing that our culture, knowing that your department, knowing that that needle is being moved and that progress is being made? One of the things we do often as leaders, again, is just to get uh, feedback on anything that we're attempting to do. Um, whether it's the things we're doing in, in line with uh, social media, uh, whether it's looking at the university as a whole in terms of what's happening with the university and seeing where we can potentially create uh, partnerships. In fact, that's something I look for quite often. We need to look for the expertise, especially being in the educational environment. Kim, our primary audience for this podcast are those working professionals inside sports information. I, I wonder from your perspective, is the profession of sports information any more valuable, any more important to the health of the athletic department in the first quarter of 2021, given all that we faced, compared to, say, the first quarter of 2019? To be honest, I don't think they're more valuable like i just don't know i mean i really appreciate what how important they are to us i think they've been just as important in the past but i think since we've gone through eight months 329 days i think is what our athlete my spring sport athletes told me last week that they haven't had competition and yet you know our sports information professionals have helped us continue to tell our story um, from a recruiting standpoint, they've helped our coaches to be able to get out, you know, all the great news about our athletic program, despite not having sports to talk about. And so they've had to be, um, I think, extra 
creative and collaborative in that endeavor. Um, and, and certainly I think that's, um, it, it, you know, that's where I think we're all gonna get better. Like one of our things that we talk about is, what are we gonna take from this? You know, what are we gonna, um, you know, where we've had to think outside the box and innovate and, and maybe approach life a little bit differently in, in 2021 moving forward. Um, I bet we'll still see Zoom, right? Technology. Earl and I were talking about our technology challenges. It's not going away. Um, but hey, I, I would never have known how to get on a Blue Jeans or Zoom or anything prior to COVID. So I think we're going to take technology and continue to grow with that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and honestly, I think um, we're going to really appreciate our staff here for us, 23 sports as well. And all of them are going to be competing this spring. And so I don't know when our, our sports information professionals are going to sleep, but they're, they have such a great attitude. They're like, just, you know, they're, they're chomping at the bit to be able to, you know, be at a, an athletic event and share the success of that experience for, on behalf of our student athletes and coaches. So boy, we're really going to appreciate them after this, after this spring. Kim, I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. I really enjoyed the the idea of hearing from another athletic director and what you're going through. There's a lot of uh, synergy there, and I'm really blessed to have this opportunity to be here with with you as well as Trip to talk about our experiences and sharing those with others during this podcast. Yeah, it's been an absolute joy, Earl. Uh... Just to really, like, I agree just to get the affirmation, you know, that, hey, I'm I'm not crazy. I'm not just, you know, thinking about these things um, from the left side of the moon. Um, you've really been insightful. I've enjoyed our conversation. And, and honestly, I look forward to seeing you, my friend. <laughs>